Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Lord bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. Corey and I have enjoyed so much this time that we've gotten to have here in the Tri-Cities. We weren't supposed to get to be here at all, but thankfully, they scheduled us to be in Canada, and then we couldn't go. I shouldn't be thankful for that, but I am. And so we got a week off, and we got to be here, and then some things kind of happened, and we got to stay extra, and so uh, we're very thankful for that. We love being here in the Tri-Cities. We love being with Corey's parents and family, and we love being here at T.O.P. We love getting to be with each one of you and seeing you, and uh, it's just been such an encouragement to, to come back and see how the church is doing and growing, and, and we just love being here. I need my, some help from my lovely assistant tonight. Yeah, that's you. Of course that's you. Of course that's you. <laughs> okay, she's delegated. <laughs> She's delegated lovely assistant uh, activities to my brother-in-law. <laughs> so uh, there's, a, there's a flowery bag that uh, has something in it. If you just pass one out to everybody, how many of us could use a little bit more joy in our lives? How many of you have enough joy? You don't need any more. I don't think there's, oh, oh, okay. I think the vast majority of us could use more joy in our day-to-day lives. <laughs> what are, I want to ask us tonight, what are some things that we can get joy from that bring us joy? What, what are some things that bring us joy? Children, absolutely, when they're behaving in particular or when they're sleeping. Um, something else, children. Springtime, yes, or for me it's summer. I've found that typically the, the uh, season that you are born in is typically your favorite. Not always, but, but typically. Oh, okay. Snow. That does not bring me joy. <laughs> so we have kids. We have uh, seasons. What? Sisters. Family. Family in general can bring us joy. I, I think friends can bring us joy. Sports, it could. Not if you were supporting the Seahawks on Sunday, but amen. God brings us joy. If you know him, if you walk with him, he brings us joy. And the future, a prospect of a bright future, I think, can bring us joy. But what are some things that can take that joy away just as quickly? Oh, speeding tickets. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Going to the police office. Yes. I guess Gigi has experience. You know, it's interesting that a lot of the time, the things, the very same things that bring us joy can also take our joy away. Our family, when things are not going well, can take away our joy. Our friends, when things are not going well, can take away our joy. One thing that seems to always take away our joy and never give it to us is politics. 
constantly sapping us of our joy. And even, again, the future. If you have not a prospect of a bright future, but if you see the future as being very dim, that can take away our joy. You know, it's interesting that in the church, I was just wondering, who could use a little bit more joy? My lovely assistant will help you out. Do we have some left? Give them all the joy they can handle. And, and, and I just want to say, I, I, do, I don't believe, it looks like I'm too late, I don't believe we allow eating in the sanctuary, so I'm so sorry, Pastor. So if you started the one, uh, hurry up and chew it and swallow it and repent, and then don't eat the next one. <laughs> oh, pa- Pastor, did you eat yours? Oh, okay. Then we're good. We're good. Okay. So, so keep your joy in your hand for a little bit. If you're already eating your joy... Just go and chew it up, swallow it, repent, and then just whatever you have left, just keep it for later. I'm so sorry, Pastor. I should have mentioned that first. You know, it's interesting because so much of the time in the church, we say that joy should not depend on your circumstances. But I don't believe that that's true. Because I was shocked when I started to look up about joy and Almost every single time in the Bible it mentions the word joy. It is directly connected to circumstances. That was a shock to me. But we have to be honest. You know, God does not want us to be dishonest with ourselves, with other people. God wants us to be honest. God is truth. God is not a liar. There is no falsehood in him at all, the Bible tells us. And so we have to be honest. I want to tell you a little story that happened to me today. I was, I got up this morning and I had an appointment, actually funny funny enough, at the police office. I was going to uh, apply for my uh, CPL, if you know what that is. And uh, so I was on my way, I had an appointment, and I was running it pretty close. And and so I was driving and I, I came up to the uh, roundabout, and, and there were two cars ahead of me, and I thought, oh, man, there's an op- it's, it's wide open. They'll just go, and I can just get on through, and I'll go up, and I'll make that left-hand turn and go on down the road, and I'll get there in time. But two cars ahead of me, I won't say what kind of car he was driving, but if I, if I did, you would think that that was typical for that kind of driver or that kind of car. But he just took forever and just sat there and sat there. Finally, he went. And meanwhile, as I was driving, I was thinking about what I would be talking about tonight. I was thinking about joy. Joy was on my mind. I was contemplating and meditating on joy. But just one guy taking a little bit too long at a roundabout robbed me of my joy. And to make matters worse, after I got through the roundabout, I went up to the traffic light just as my signal turned red. I can feel it rising up right now. And as I was sitting there, I realized that I had a choice. There were two responses that I could, as a Christian, decide to have. I could choose to be a prey of my emotions at that moment, of my present circumstance. Or I could choose to take a step back and look at it through a larger lens, 
that maybe God is at work and that maybe God is doing something. Or if nothing else, even if this is just happenstance and and God wasn't trying to make me late for my appointment, if nothing else, God is still in control and God will still help me. And in the end, God will still work it out. And when I thought of it in that way, my joy came right back. Even though I had been insanely frustrated just a few seconds before. In the Bible, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, a passage that many of us are familiar with, it reads, but the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit it's talking about is God's Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, it says. You know, when we think about each of these things, including joy, each of these things that are mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit, if we boil them down to their their most basic form, each one of them is an emotion or a state of being. And, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we can be so focused on on our spiritual self or even our physical self. But yet somehow, sometimes we can completely ignore the fact that we have a very real emotional side to us. And sometimes it's our emotions that are in the greatest need of a personal revival and help from the Lord. You know, it's funny, we come to church and we, we give prayer requests, and, and that's a wonderful thing. The Bible tells us that we should do that, but we pray, hey, if we can pray for this person's physical need, or even can we pray for this person's spiritual need, but when was the last time you heard someone say, hey, let's pray for sister so-and-so. She needs the Lord to touch her because she got her feelings hurt. We don't pray for that. But yet, if we have a brother or sister who has lost their joy in the Lord, what better response could we have than to bear one another's burdens and to pray for one another that God would restore to them the emotions, the states of being that God has desired for us to have. In Nehemiah chapter 8, In verse 10, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It shows us just exactly how important joy is. In Nehemiah 8 and 10, it says, Then he said unto them, and this is uh, speaking of the prophet, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Just to explain a little bit about what was going on in this story, the the people had had, uh, been taken out of their homeland. And God, through His miraculous power, had allowed them to come back. But when they saw the way that their country had been destroyed, the old people who who had seen it in its glory when they came back, they were so sad at what had happened. They were so brokenhearted because they had seen the glory of the former days. But then now as they're returning, they're seeing the desolation and and it's breaking their heart. But the prophet tells them, he says, don't be sorry. Don't be sad about what you see. 
For the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's so many things that want to steal our joy, that want to rob us of our joy. And sometimes all it takes is a guy who doesn't even know I exist two cars ahead of me, going a little bit too slow for my liking to steal my joy. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. We've got to understand that joy is a lifeline in the life of a Christian. The devil wants to steal our joy because when he steals our joy, when we let him have it, when we let him get us frustrated and irritated, he has us exactly where he wants us. But when we have joy in the Lord, we are strong. When we have joy, we're defended against his attacks. I used to tell people when we'd be worshiping, I would would lead worship in in our church in Japan, and I would would get tired of looking at the congregation when we'd be singing worship songs about how great God is. And, you know, people would be singing like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not literally, but for an example, we'd be singing, worshiping, and nobody's smiling. Nobody's actually joyful. And so I would encourage the people, I'd say, hey, smile. Turn to the person next to you and smile. Smile at them like you're up to something. Make them a little bit nervous. You know, the one thing the devil doesn't want to see when he has done everything he can to get us frustrated and irritated and and to knock us off our game is to see a smile still on our face. Smile like you're up to something. Make the devil a little bit nervous. Amen. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 1 through 9, It tells us of a story of the children of Israel that that their circumstances were not exactly something that it was easy to find joy in. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 9, it's a little bit of a long passage, but thank you. It says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Man, people are crying all night long. This must be pretty bad. And it was. God had promised them this land. But when they came to the land, they sent out 12 spies. And when they came back, 10 of them had a negative report. Even though God had promised them the land, they came back and said, the people that live there are so big. We're like little grasshoppers compared to them. They're so strong. Their walls are so big. There's no way we can overcome them. And when we see our circumstances in that way, and it's so easy to do, that every circumstance that comes along, this one is insurmountable. This is going to be the one that, that ruins me. And the people wept all night. It says, and the, ch- and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. They were so troubled. They had so completely lost their joy over this situation that they wished they were dead. We wish that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And and they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land. These are two of the spies, two of the twelve. They tore their clothes, 
And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, and their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. At the beginning, I, I said sometimes we say that, that joy shouldn't depend on our circumstances. But if you look in the Bible, joy is always connected to our circumstances. Joy is always based on our circumstance or else it's not real. It's fake. If we don't have anything to be joyful about but we have fake joy, what good does that do anybody? And God does not expect us to have fake joy. And so you may be wondering, if joy isn't supposed to be dictated by my pre present circumstance, but yet biblically it's always circumstantial, then what am I supposed to do? That's a good question. You may have noticed in the previous story that although Caleb and Joshua saw the same enemies, they saw the same walls, the same obstacles, the same exact situation as the other ten spies, their response was completely different. The Bible doesn't tell us to have faith or, or to have joy in our circumstances, but Jesus does expect us to have faith in Him. We can have faith in Him in, in several things, but two that I want to mention. We can have faith that God, number one, is good. We can always know whatever the circumstance is, no matter what it looks like, no matter the size of the enemies, no matter how big their walls are, no matter how strong they may seem, we serve a good God. And we serve a God that will keep His word. In Joshua chapter 21 and verse 45, we read a, a verse from the end of Joshua's life. Remember, Joshua was one of those spies who saw things a little bit differently than the other ten. He said, hey, if God is with us, he'll give us the land. It doesn't matter what the circumstances may look like. If God is with us, he'll help us to overcome it no matter what it is. At the end of Joshua's life, he's recollecting back to all of the promises that, that God had given to him and the people. In Joshua 21 and 45, he said, There fail not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. And so it didn't matter what the present circumstances looked like. There was something that they could find joy in beyond what the circumstances looked like. They could find comfort and joy in that they knew God, that they were walking with God, that they had a relationship with Him, and that God had, had already given them the victory even though they were still facing the problem. So how do we have joy when our present circumstances are not joyful? It is God's will for us to have joy. But the joy that God wants to give us isn't only based on our present circumstances. But more than anything, since it has to be circumstantial, has to be based on some circumstances, I believe is based on our future circumstances. And this is where our faith comes into play. You know, for us to have joy, there has to be a reason for us to have joy. Either our present circumstances are good, and that does happen. Where things are going well, where our family is getting along together and we, 
maybe at Thanksgiving dinner, you're, you're sitting around and there's just such harmony and you find joy in that. And we can have a thankful heart of our present circumstances. But when they're not going well, that's when to keep our joy intact, it demands that we have faith. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 18, Habakkuk said, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. If you read the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is the, basically the book is all about him questioning God. God, why are you allowing these bad things to happen? I don't understand. Why are you letting this happen? But Habakkuk says, even though everything around me doesn't seem to be going well right now, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Even if things don't look like they're going well right now, I have a God who is my Savior. When I have a trial that's going on, I have a God who is my Savior. When I have a sickness that doesn't seem to have a cure, He is still my Savior. When I'm in suffering, He is my Savior. When I have problems, He is my Savior. He will always come to save us. By the way, the greatest name, the Bible tells us that the name at which every knee will bow, the name at which every tongue will confess that He is Lord, is the name of Jesus. Do you know what the name Jesus means? It means Jehovah, our Savior. The name that is above every name is Jehovah, our Savior. No matter what circumstance we are in, we can always take solace in the fact that He will always be our Savior. He promised us, He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. That is something we can be joyful about regardless of what the circumstances may look like. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. It doesn't say rejoice in what's happening, but rejoice in the Lord. Because regardless of what the immediate circumstances of today or this moment may look like, Knowing Jesus and, and being with Him, having a relationship with Him, is the greatest circumstance that a human being could ever find themselves in. Because it doesn't matter what's going on. Remember the 12 disciples, when they were in the boat, there was a storm raging. But Jesus was in the boat with them. And so it didn't matter the size of the storm. The fact that Jesus was with them was the greatest circumstance that they could have ever had. And, it, and even though the storm was raging, when they called on him, he had power over the storm. Amen. This is the problem with using technology. If you click in the wrong place, it'll take you right back to the top. And I guess we can start over. Just kidding. Yes, sister. Amen. God will always bring us through. Amen. 
In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, Isaiah gives us a prophecy about Jesus. Based on what I just said, it might sound like I'm trying to present a a, a one-stop shop, quick fix it to never having problems in life or, or at least never admitting that we have problems in life, never admitting that we're hurt or we're facing a frustration. But unfortunately, that's just not possible and it's not realistic either. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, in a prophecy about Jesus, it says of him that he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus was on a first-name basis with grief. It says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Couldn't even look at him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. But in the middle of it, there's Jesus just with a big smile on his face, just full of joy. No, that's not how it was. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says that when we run our race, we should do it looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus was a man of sorrow. He was acquainted with grief. The Bible tells us that there was no point that he was not tempted. But yet everything that we go through, every frustration, every hurt, every betrayal, Jesus understands it because he went through it too. That's why he's our great example. That's why we can look to him for comfort because Jesus gets it. He knows what we're going through. But in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the grief, while he was enduring the cross, he looked forward for the joy that was set before him. There is always joy. How was Jesus able to make it through everything he went through? He had faith that there was a joy waiting for him on the other side. Sometimes we have to keep the joy in our hand for a little bit. We don't get to enjoy it yet. And y'all are sitting there with almond joys in your hand. Just keep the joy in your hand. You can't eat it yet. You don't get to enjoy it till after church. But just keep the joy in hand. Keep it. It's real. It's there. You will get to enjoy it. It will come. Psalm chapter 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night. You may be so sad, you may be so hurt, so heartbroken, you cry, and you cry all night long. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There may be weeping. You may be in a stage of weeping, but don't give up. There's joy on the other side. I know it's hard sometimes, and we feel that sometimes no one understands what we're going through. No one understands how we feel, but that's okay. Just keep pressing on. Keep your faith in Jesus. There's joy on the other side. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You know, sometimes we Christians, we love our our church dinners. We we love to get together and eat, and, and we got some of the best cooks in the world. 
Amen. And we enjoy our church dinners. We enjoy getting together and eating. But, but that's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we know that, that there's joy somewhere, but we just can't seem to get a hold of it. We can't seem to get any access to it. But there's joy in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I wonder if we need to just, just drop everything we're doing and just get alone with the Lord for a few minutes. Don't have anything on your agenda when you go into the prayer closet, but just be with Him. Don't take your gripes and complaints, but just, Lord, I need to spend some time with you. Let Him rub off on you a little bit. Allow that fruit of the Spirit to be born in you. You know, it's, it's really crazy. The disciples were so full of the Holy Ghost that when they suffered persecution, that joy of the Lord in them was so strong that when they suffered persecution in, in Acts chapter 5 and, and verse 41, it says, And they departed from the presence of the council where they were just laid into, where they were whipped, where they were in trouble for preaching. It says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So they leave this council where they're censured, where they're in big trouble. Now society's looking down on them. They're preaching the wrong thing, according to their culture. And they rejoice. You know, if we saw people who were being persecuted and they were, praise God, this is great. We would think, you are nuts. They must have whipped you one too many times, a little bit too hard. You lost your, lost your marbles. How could they have rejoiced because of their suffering? Because they knew, they had an understanding that their present suffering, their present circumstance was not where it ended. But they knew what was coming. They understood that when they suffered for Christ, they were only adding to the reward in heaven. They knew that there was a consolation coming. They knew that there was a joy on the other side of the suffering. And so instead of staying where they were at and feeling bad for themselves, they rejoiced because they had something worth rejoicing about. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul, who suffered more than, more than I can comprehend, Several times he was, he was shipwrecked because of the gospel. There were many times he was whipped because of the gospel. He went through so much because of the gospel. And yet instead, at the end of his life, we're now finally, at the end of his life, he's going to be executed. They're going to cut his head off. And he knows what's coming. That's probably how he felt. <gasps> at the end of his life, when they're going to kill him, he doesn't say, well, I really tried. I don't know why this happened to me. <laughs> I wasn't going to try. I was just going to get out of here. At the end of his life, he's not sad, but instead he says, For now I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Does he not sound like somebody who's texting a last message to his family, sitting at the gate, 
of the airport about to get on an airplane to go to Hawaii. Well, not Hawaii right now because they're shut down and all that. But And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Even at the end of his life, Paul was rejoicing. He didn't just tell other people to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then when, when troubles come to him, he says, oh, man, I, I told other people to do it. But now I know what it's like. I just can't do it. But yet he's living it, rejoicing in the Lord. Why? Because he understands what there is to rejoice about. He understands that this present circumstance is not everything. Matter of fact, it's only the smallest part. But I have something so much greater to rejoice about. My circumstances are so much bigger than what we can see right here. I have something that gives me joy. James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Count it joy when you're, when you're, being, when you're in a trial, when things are not going well and you're getting frustrated. Count it all joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What James is saying is that God is using these things that would, if we just looked at what's happening right now, would steal our joy. But God is using these things to supply the needs that we have, the things that we're lacking, the areas we're needing to grow in, the ways that God is wanting to add to us. This is what God is using to do it. This is the tool in the hand of God. God is answering our prayers. He's supplying our needs. And so count it all joy because after you've gone through the temptation, he'll, he'll give you, uh, it'll work patience and patience will have her complete or perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing, lacking nothing. You have everything that you need. We can be joyful in trials because we know that these trials are not it. God is using them to do something greater than anything we could imagine. That God will use our difficulties to supply our needs and to show himself powerful in our lives and on our behalf. Just two more scriptures very quickly. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy, and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, if we're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if we're not living daily in the presence of the Lord, if we're living only through our flesh, this is impossible. It's impossible. We can hear it and we can know it and we can want to do it, but we have no power to do it. But when you live in the, in the power of the Holy Ghost, when you walk through the power of the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the fruit of the Spirit so that you can be filled with joy, so you can be filled with all joy and peace in believing, and you can abound in hope. You can abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 
It says, be careful for nothing. This word careful can also be translated as anxious. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. How many of you have been able to do that a single day in your life? Don't, don't lift your hand. Try going one day without being anxious about anything. It almost feels overwhelming just thinking about that, doesn't it? But be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. What do we have to be thankful for in the midst of our trials? What do we have to be thankful for when things are not going well? We can be joyful. We can have thanks because we know, we know, we know that we're with God and He will help us. He will see us through. He will be with us through to the end. Amen. With thanksgiving and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So very quickly, in summary, there are a few ways that we can have joy at all times. And it can be with thankfulness. If we have a thankful heart, it will produce joy in us. When we're thankful for, for things around us, it will cause us to have joy. It will help us to find joy we didn't know we had. And when things are not going well, if we just keep our hope in the Lord, keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our hope in Him, understanding that God is at work. And if He's not yet, He will be. Amen. And He will see us through to the end. We can be filled with joy based on our circumstance. Based on our circumstance. It's not a false joy. It's not a fake joy. When people see you and they say, man, what do you have to be joy joyful about? We don't, we don't have to say, well, I, I don't really have anything, but I think I'm supposed to be joyful, so I guess I am. But we can tell them, hey, this is why I have joy. Yes, everything in my life is going wrong, but I can have joy. Amen. We can give them an answer for the hope of, and the joy that is in us. Yes, Sister Kim. Amen. I agree. Are there any other comments? Yes. There's not much to be joyful about when we read the news or we go out, but, but we can be the catalyst. We can be the one that God can use to make a difference in our community. Amen. Joy is infectious. It's infectious. Amen. Pastor, you want me to turn it back to you or do you want me to just dismiss? All right. Amen. Why don't we all stand and dismissal tonight? Amen. Let's look to God. Let's have faith in our hearts no matter what happens. Let's have faith in our hearts that he will answer. He will not leave us. But we have joy. We have joy waiting on the other side.
and you have almond joys waiting on the other side of that door for you to eat. Amen. But let's pray and dismiss. Lord Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Jesus, thank you for bringing us all together safely into your presence, into your house. Lord, we ask that your blessing would be upon each one of us as we go our separate ways until we meet again. In Jesus' name, Lord, bring us further and closer into your will, Lord. Help us to, Lord, have that joy that you have for us, Lord, that's readily available to us. Help us to grasp it and to hold on to it, to not let anything take it away from us. In Jesus' name, bless your people, Lord. Amen.